Hi, I'm Karen Osborne, and this is Living in the Sandwich Zone, a place where each week we talk all things parenting, caregiving, juggling life, and reclaiming joy. Hey, welcome back to Living in the Sandwich Zone. First of all, I want to thank everybody who gave me a little feedback after last week's episode about shorter versus longer episodes. Um, This week, I'm going to try something new. So this week, I am airing in its entirety a conversation I had with my dear friend, Rachel Brumberger. So Rachel is a clinical master acupuncturist in the Maryland DC area. She is an herbalist, a Chinese nutritional therapy practitioner, and a wellness consultant. Rachel draws from her personal experience on her own wellness journey to support others as they seek healing. She is also a fellow podcaster and the host of her own show, Unscripted, where she talks about all things wellness and healing. And Rachel and I connected actually initially in the Your Turn to Podcast podcasting class put on by Kathy Heller. And it was just one of those things. When we first connected, we just clicked on so many levels. It's one of those things where you meet someone and you feel like you've known them your entire life. That is how it's been with Rachel and me. And so this conversation touches on a lot of things. We talk about one of my hot button issues of perfection, which is what I, <laughs> what I talked a little about last week. We talk about events and things that have happened in our lives that bring up feelings of unworthiness and what we do when that happens and all the emotion that comes up with that, both in ourselves and those around us and what coping strategies we have utilized in managing our own emotions and tending to the people that we care about. We talk about relationships and friendships and how we are making the decision at this stage in our lives about who we choose to spend time with and let into our lives. That's a process I refer to as pruning the tree of friendship. So this, yeah, this one's a good one. This one, we talk about a lot of stuff. It's a smorgasbord, if you will, of just good conversation. So buckle up, my friends, and get ready for a deep and insightful conversation with me and my friend, Rachel Brumberger. So I've been thinking of of all of sort of the signs and serendipities of connection and how you and I connected and, you know, and just looking over, watching when you post things. And I'm like, I know that's like my life. That's We're exactly like, me. So I've noticed that you'll post something. I'm like, were you in, were you like in here sitting here so with me? Weird. It's wild. Well, you know, there's that one quote that talks about the thin thread of connection that those who you're destined to meet, there's irrespective of time, place, mm-hmm. whatever, you will just meet and it can never be broken. It can never be severed. Um, and that's how I feel. That's how I, I feel. feel. It's, like, it's like this amazing, amazing connection. So it is. yeah, man. And happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Another That's another amazing. lap around the sun. Whoop whoop. Did yeah. it. And, I was, um... and my wasn't just a big lap. <laughs> There's so much in this last lap. Holy cow. Like, did you ever run track? Were you like uh, a, co- a no. cross country? <laughs> I don't know. What Running and I are an oxymoron, <laughs> my friend. No. No. Oh, I get that. I, I ran for like this much in high school and it was always like, you know, get him on the hill, just bring it in at the end, like 
take it at the, and you're like <sighs> at the end right and then there's that first the only oh, time no. I the only time I run out I did I tried running recently because I, I wanted my friend to kick my butt into movement gear she's a runner and I was okay I actually didn't mind it because it's like good for my irritation but I do not enjoy running yeah no I never have I in, in in elementary school and junior high they used to make you do the um president's physical fitness testing yes and every year you had to run a mile yes and it was always, it was always so hard. And I think it just, it just, you know, I've grappled with weight my entire life. And it was one of those scenarios where you're just put in the perfect little yeah. petri dish yes, to cultivate unworthiness. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Because you're like, I'm like lagging at, you know, the 15 minute mark. People were done at like 730. I'm yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. I, it, it's not, there's something, um, there's something about the way we remember even in like elementary school, the like reach, you had to put your feet on that little chair and reach as far as you could. Oh yeah. If you're flexible enough right. and like, and grab um, your hands behind your, you know, yeah. Can you do I it? Still can't touch. Terrible. Nope. Terrible. I mean, I have like I'm excited and so nervous about the possibility of being like good enough that way. It was like, what is this? I have no excitement. I had dread. I had terror. I both. I had, I had, I just knew it was like the, the spotlight shining on the worst possible yes. aspect of who I'm supposed who I, to be. Yeah. And everyone's watching. It's like everyone is paying attention. I mean, because everyone's freaking out, right? Really, probably no one's paying attention to me. Like, I can tell you assuredly that from those memories, I have like zero recall of anyone but me. Oh, I'm the only one I know was lagging behind. I'm the only one who couldn't reach forward and touch her toes, but that could do this because I'm hypermobile. Like, I, I have no idea. But I remember feeling like everyone... It's that ego thing. It's like everyone's watching me. Everyone is going to know. It's very naked. It's a very naked experience. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that feeling, that sensation comes up so often in life, you know, where you're going through things. And really, like you say, I think the reality is everybody's just trying to get through their stuff. I do think so. Everybody's trying to get through their stuff. Yeah, I do and think so. They're not paying attention to me, but it sure feels like in my mind, it's just amazing the stories I tell myself about what other people are thinking or perceiving or judging about the way I am or am not doing something. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's the, uh, like if, (laughs) if I could channel that part of my imagination, I bet I could write some incredible novels, fiction. The, it is, it's fantastically ridiculous. And I think the amount of time I spend like sometimes strategizing, like how I'm going to deal with a breakdown. What is this person going to say? What do they think? It's like, they're, first of all, who knows? And doesn't really matter. <laughs> but see, somehow in here, I'm like, you know I'm shaking in my boots until I realize that like I'm okay that takes right I mean that takes some nervous system regulation like none other because that I think also part of it I think it's like partially our ego is just freaking out and then I think that and I'd be I'm sure someone's studying this I it's not me because I'm not you know, researcher by any stretch or a scholar, but I think that like, I wonder like the nerve, the nervous system overdrive that I think causes like some of the, I'm be really curious to see like, what is, you know, we know we now we have like the, the, the brain gut relationship. Mm -hmm. We know that we know we've got the immunity there, the, like the, um, serotonin and dopamine production. Like we can look at that. 
you know, we can track so many things, but can we track like the conscious ridiculousness that occurs with that conversation with our egos from what set my nervous system into a moment of like sheer panic or embarrassment or shame or like, you know, is, can we see it light up? Like, I wonder if I would, I I don't know. You can, I have to, I have to believe that if you were in an fMRI machine where it shows you all the areas of your brain that light and fire. Yes. Like if, if someone were to say, if I was laying on that table right now in that machine and you said the same thing, like, remember that mile in high school, we all had to run. It's like, ding, 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 ding. Like, yeah, like a it... pinball machine. Yeah. Because, and can you tell like that, that parasympathetic nervous system is like not available anymore. <laughs> it's just and then, like, and then what do you do? What do you do? What do I bring do? yourself back online? I feel like this is a multi-step approach. So I do check in with the stories I'm telling myself. I do call everyone wise that might know someone like anything about this situation, anything like phone a friend. My, oh yeah. <laughs> phone a friend. I'll phone like 20. I'll be what like, what lifeline are you using? Well, yeah. all of them, all of the lifelines where I'm like, I'll call people that won't just, they don't just pat me on the back though. Like they'll have yeah. good points to make because I think that the pat on the back is there's like a, such a fine line, right. Between like, I've got your back and I'm not going to actually engage you in a healing experience about this. We're just going to like point fingers at the other side or at the situation that doesn't help me. It just makes it worse. So I'll call, I'll like phone, phone a friend for whoever is like, what do you, what was I being okay? Like what happened here? You know, talk to Matt. He's helpful. And then I totally, I think I try and drink enough water. Sometimes I'll do movement. This time I did a puzzle. The last time this happened, I was just like doing a puzzle. It was really great. Quiet things and music, food. I mean, all of it. I do all of it. All of it. It's like, it's not a laundry list. You just keep going down the checklist until you find whichever one is going to or five out of it yeah yeah and it takes for me sometimes days yeah and what's interesting is I, I am finding I'm finding that it's getting the time frame within which I can fake myself out is getting shorter and shorter and that's how I gauge my transformational Ooh. progress me too because so last week in fact this last episode that I recorded for my podcast ended up being a voice memo in the car, like real time, just going through the process because I had had such a grueling emotional experience on so many fronts. It was like just a tsunami of overwhelm that came over me on so many different fronts that I, I got into my car And it was the first moment of the day that I had alone. I was by myself. And then I started with kind of my laundry list of, well, what is it that I need to do? Mm -hmm. I feel it. I'm feeling it. And I think that was the first thing is I noticed in my body. I'm like, okay, I'm totally overwhelmed. And I could feel, you know, sometimes you feel like you need to cry but you mm-hmm. can't cry. Yes. That happens to me quite. That's a frequent experience for me. And so, so I appreciate that. I, I ended up doing some triangle breathing and really just breathing in, holding for the same amount of time, exhaling for the same amount of time, just did that, did that, did that. And, and then I could feel the tears rising. Wow, that's and wonderful. then I felt I felt, you know, I got to that point where I felt like they're coming and I can't do anything to stop them. Oh. And then I had the realizations like, I don't want to stop them. Why stop? Them? Yeah. I need why? to let them, I need to let them come out because Absolutely. the amount, first of all, I've been exhausted. I've been exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally. 
And the amount of energy that I was going to have to expend to suppress tears, it would have, it would have bankrupted my, (sighs) my body, my being. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what I don't, I wish I could pinpoint the moment in time where I made a decision as a very young person that it wasn't okay to cry. Mm. I, I yeah. don't, I don't believe like, right. Like intellectually, I have no belief that it's bad. I think it's wonderful. I'm always so impressed with people and they can get to that moment that you're describing. Like how you did that so fast. Do you know how fast you did that? In this particular instance, I did it pretty fast. That's not always the case. And I, it definitely most certainly has historically not been the case. I have been the suck it up, Mm -hmm. squash it down, Mm -hmm. power through kind of gal. And Mm -hmm. that has been, that has been my coping mechanism Mm -hmm. since since childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I don't know about you. Did you have people in your life that would, if you were crying or about to cry, tell you not to cry? I don't think Did you get that messaging? I don't think I got the don't cry messaging. If I, there was one, only one figure. No, two. I'm sorry. Okay. Let me, oh yeah. You're now my, my, all my like memory synapses are lighting up. Not from family, but I had two daycare situations when I was very little where that seemed to be not okay. And the women at the time who were providing that care, um, totally separate occasions were just really that, that was a problem there. Um, but not my family of origin. I don't recall from like friends and family friends situations. I do remember various extended family members being like, you're just so, your feelings get hurt so easily. You're so sensitive, right? Like the feedback at the time was you're too sensitive. It wasn't, I don't even think like it was, was a bad intended. thing. Like it was a bad thing. And I don't even think they mean it. Like, I bet if I could go dig that, dig them up right now and be like, what did you mean? I think what was really happening is I love you and I'm worried about you. And you're just so, your sensitivities are so fragile. I think that's what was really happening. The other thing that I think plays in, and I see it in myself, Mm -hmm. is that when you see someone in an emotionally intense experience, it cues in the listener, in me, Mm -hmm. a certain emotional response. Uh And then, like I say, my history of squashing down gets triggered. And so I think for me, sometimes the response is to try to quiet down that external person Mm -hmm. so that I cannot go into overwhelm. But I think that there is definitely, you know, those moments where I know it's like, if I have to, and I think especially like when I think about these caregiving things that like that last Wednesday, it was happening on the kid front. It was happening on the dad front. It was happening on so many other fronts. And I think that I go into this, like, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, almost to try to find that quiet car moment. Well, yeah, it's like, it's a control. We've just discovered in our house that a lot of the feedback we each give one another is because of our discomfort, our own discomfort. So it's a control mechanism. And I can tell you, as I'm thinking back now, per your last question, like my coping strategy became, so I I don't like to compete. I'm not particularly inspired by competition. Like I don't get up in the morning and I'm like, I would like to win the thing against someone. It's not really, it, it doesn't do it for me. I'll tell you what, in the face of feeling like I'm going to be competed with, (laughs) I want to take everybody down. My inner like Olympian is like, I will win. And so I think what happens is in the face of all this like sensitivity, I'm very, I'm a highly sensitive individual. I'm very responsive. 
I think one of my coping mechanisms that I developed was to control the situation so that I didn't get triggered to, oh, to win yeah. to win at being like the strongest baddest like go ahead tell me something bad and I will take you down with all my words like I don't care who's listening like bring bring it I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like the feelings Olympian and I will win at who gets to feel oh, bad at the end wow. of this wow and, mm-hmm yeah I that's how it that was that's how I think I became someone who's like if I you know it's like no I will not let you hurt me I will hurt you worse I think that's you know ugly part of my yeah you go on and you go on and often and I think I I share with you that offensive strategy of controlling that dynamic mm-hmm. as as a measure of self protection, yep, is something I have mastered. Oh yeah. In fact, I that's am... shocking given how connected we are. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I tell you, I recently, you know, so this whole this whole social media thing is really new to me, mm-hmm. but I have found that, you know, it's this curation of finding these people that speak to my soul that I look at and yes. that appear in my feed. Yeah. One of those people, aside from you, one of those people is um, on Instagram. I think it's called the secure relationship. Oh, I'm going to look them up. Oh, Sounds my wonderful. stars. Sounds wonderful. She's I'm writing a psychologist. It down. She's a psychologist that talks about attachment theory yes. kind of relationship dynamic and that is one of those things that I have gleaned so much insight into my being about how and why I am the way I am through following and reading and she she puts it out in such like understandable accessible language I love it that I just soak it up and you know, one of those things for me is seeing how my way of attempting to control has been absolutely um, my way of self-protection. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of shows how those patterns and practices that have been ingrained have then affected your relationships yes. with other people. Yes. And, it's- and how... Yeah, it, I, it is. Okay. I'm going to follow her, him, them, who, yeah. whomever. And, um, and then check out the holistic psychologist, I think is, oh, I'll okay. send it to you. Okay, I good. also find similar, but I, I'm with you on the attachment thing. And it's, it's interesting because those patterns, right? Like, so I'm that way I'll go on the offense and, um, of course, generally my husband won't. Of course, we're well matched that way, right? Yeah. And what's funny is, so, so you have a map and I have a map. Yeah. So another, another similarity <laughs> that are both, both our husbands are named Matt. It's so funny. And he's generally not inclined to meet me there. He will retreat. I will. Mm-hmm. And so I think though, where I started to really see it and get some compassion, because it's one thing to see it in yourself, right? Or I see it in myself and I'm like, wow, look at how I do that. Like, I think this is the first moment actually in time ever in this lifetime on the planet that I've been like, this is, I think why I'm so on the offense It's because I'm so sensitive. I don't think I've ever actually said that to anyone. I was thinking about it as you asked about those memories. It's like, Oh, I've thought about it a lot. Why I'm like that. But I think to put it so directly together as our whole household gets sort of a bigger understanding. And I mean, I've understood high sensitivity for a long time because I live in it, but to get it from the perspective of being in it and out of it is very different than just being, being it to have outside eyes on that witness observer eyes on that is really different. So I've seen it in my daughter where she too has all these incredible techniques to go on the offense, to win, to win. And I'm like, I know she also is big, fan of fairness both of us 
don't really want to have anybody lose. Um, it's not who we are. And so when she goes on the offense, I can see like she's been triggered and in seeing it in her, I've been able to have compassion for me when I have felt the way she feels and go on the offense. And I've been able to hold the space for her to like have those feelings better to be like, what just happened? Like, tell us or take this space or go get regulated or go scream into a pillow. Don't do it in my ear. Then let's come back and connect again. But it is, it's really fascinating. Um, what you what you bring up about the the seeing it in your child, uh-huh. and I know that I have a really big desire to try and I mean maybe it's detour for them, short short circuit, fast track right. them so that they are not grappling with the same things that I'm grappling with at this stage of life. Um, I hear you, and that. That is, it's a challenging thing when I see sort of what I, what I now realize were maladaptive, well, maybe adaptive in the moment for me in terms of coping, but have become maladaptive as more as I've grown and matured. In my current decade, they're not working so well. Right. They don't work so well. Right. And trying to get your kids to tap into the places where. For example, like I'm saying, giving the space to mm-hmm. feel those feelings or go scream in a pillow or, you know, whatever yeah. it is and come back and let's talk when you can. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting because I see in both of my children some of the things that I have, have been challenged with and still am challenged with. Like, I have a thing about being right. <laughs> I do I have, too. I have a thing about being right. And Matt, my husband, Matt, has always, you know, <laughs> been a mirror for that to, to, to point out. Like, yeah. you just can't be wrong, can you? You just you're always find again. this way. Hey, you, babe, you you're doing way. that thing again. <laughs> and, and I think only in, only in this last couple of years, I'm, I'm really accepting that and owning it as yeah. opposed to trying to rationalize around yeah. it. It's like, so, yeah, I am doing that thing, actually. It yeah. is happening right now. What's that about? Because, get it, yeah, because there's like a, what do, you, what do you say? We have to like take the defenses down first. Like if that was working for me and I don't know it's okay to not be like that. then if someone says to me, reflects back at me, hey, you're being like this and it's not working. But if I don't feel safe for any, at some level at any level and it may have nothing to do outside of myself it may have only to do with the safety I manifest over here mind body spirit then I am not going to be able to hear that feedback as it was actually intended from someone who loves me like I'm wants to work it out and I'll be too in my nervous system too in my fight fight please freeze I'm a I'm fight that's one of my first ones you know always I'm telling my students it's like you know, we learn the way we deal with fear based on which one of those or two of those we go to the most, which one do we do fight, flight, or freeze? Um, I often rise to the fight. That's one of my go-to. So now, whereas I used, I don't think I ever for a long time associated that when I didn't understand that I was not in a calm state of a functional nervous system. I didn't recognize that that was a fear-based manifestation. Now I can. So if, if Matt tells me, you know, you're doing that thing again that you do when X, Y, Z, I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. Like, let's check. Is there, there's no monster. Okay. Oh, wait, am I, am I the monster? Hold on. Check. Like, am I physically okay here? Am I emotionally okay here? Am I spiritually okay here? And then it's like, okay, what's moving under that thing? What's moving under that? Safety piece. I mean, that's it. That's, that's the it. thing, right? Like, all of the all of the experiences that we've had in our lifetime create whether or not we feel safe and certain in mm-hmm. any given situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that for me is it when there is that 
feeling or risk or fear of feeling unsafe, that's when I ratchet up my Mm -hmm. need to control, need to be right, need to have all of the, all of the elements under control, because then you can anticipate every scenario Mm -hmm. and it becomes a more safe environment. Right. So does, so as, and I was listening to you talk about perfectionism on that initial chat you did for Sandwich Zone. And I was like, yeah. And that's part of it too, because it's like, if I'm perfect, I won't have to deal. So I have two. It's like, if I'm perfect, maybe I won't have to deal with this, like all this stuff that if everything goes to plan, if everything goes exactly the way I want it, then maybe there won't be this like cacophony of things I have no control and safety over. Or if everything goes to plan and I've done my absolute 100% fabulous best, I'll be able to be calm enough to deal with that, which comes up and surprises me. And that's been a coping mechanism for me for a long time to be so prepared, so perfect, so well done that I'm impermeable to anyone else. Theoretically, it's not, you know, none of us are impermeable. So it's a facade, but it was working for me for a long time to, to pretend that that made me impermeable to other people, to mistakes that maybe I actually made, but like I was ready to make, or like it made me impermeable. Yeah. It's just a total fake thing about feeling safe and in control and having everything go the way I want. And so I see it now on so many levels. And as I've begun to let go of that recently also, um, I've actually been able to not have to win all the time to be like, the win is how I am over here and has nothing to do with somebody over there. And in the face of someone over there still hurts. My nervous system still goes inside out. I still want to fight. <laughs> I, it's not like it, it vanished from my existence. It's just that now I could be like, oh, that's happening. And I don't think this is worth it, actually. And what's really happening here for me? And do I really want to engage with that over there in some other way? To, to, for what? For what? So I've been able to like actually just bow out. Yeah, I've, I've become more attuned to um, when that sort of rearing up about mm-hmm. engaging, whether it be fighting or whatever, or being right or arguing my point. Um, I've become a little bit more aware of that's tapping into an energy that is not going to serve me, that is just ratcheting me up. Yeah. And, you know, as we record this, it's the weekend right after Thich Nhat Hanh's passing. And one of the things that was really influential when I started studying mindfulness, and I can't remember which book of his it's in, but he describes the scene of chaos on a boat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. everybody is just going, you know, feeding off of each other's mm-hmm. fear and panic. And, you know, his calling was to be the calm presence in that chaos. And I think that that's what really kind of spoke to me about that's where I'm trying to get to Mm -hmm. is to be able to find an anchor into that calm centeredness in light of all the chaotic stuff. Mm -hmm going Mm -hmm. on around and to be able to interact with the world from that place yes yes you know way easier said than done oh yeah (laughs) there's that quote it's like it'll all be okay in the end if it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it's not okay it's not the end in fact when i posted that didn't you tell me you have it on your fridge i literally have it on my (laughs) fridge it's hilarious, right? That everything of course will have, be okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's, it's not, not the end. end. It's so it's such good. a good one. It's That's so good, one. and it it had me. And then I have another one right next to it. I'll send you a picture. It's about like it's not about 
make, it's not about making a world where there's no chaos. It's about being able to tolerate it and dance with it yeah. and move with it. And I've always pictured, it's funny because you said an anchor and I could see it. It's like, I could actually see mm-hmm. you almost like we were in the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, like standing on the boat, dropping, dropping an anchor. anchor. It's very cool. And it's funny because I always describe it. I always describe it, but I like both of um, a container of peace for the chaos to exist within. Cause I'm like that for me, that visual, although now I'll probably be picturing you forever, just dropping anchor like that. But, uh, that picture of like, there will still be life. Always. There will be things. They will not always go the way I want them to. It will not always be comfortable. And like, I have some relative peace overall to hold all this life that's happening in, in, in a, in a safe place and a safe container. And for me, that works. I'll hear patients. will tell me like they, Oh, I was doing so good. And then, and I'm like, and you're still doing great. Right. Because to your point a few minutes ago, like I can do that cycle faster now, right? My nervous system is not as overrun as it used to be when I would get completely overwhelmed and it comes, it it only takes now a couple of days, maybe if something big happens as opposed to like weeks, or maybe it's only a few hours as opposed to days, or maybe it's even just a few minutes as opposed to hours. Um, And so people go, well, I thought I was supposed to, like, I wasn't supposed to get upset about these things anymore. I'm like, I don't know if you elevated beyond human, but if you did, or if we're going to go live and study Zen mastery for years, then sure, maybe we'll master that. But I was under the impression that we're human and life was still going to happen. It was just more how well we recover from that, how quickly we come back to ourselves. Did that go better this time than last time? Given the bigness or smallness of the situation, right? Given the relative upset, the relative level of the upset. And to me, if there's a lot of upset, big upset, some big thing happens, or we remember some big thing that had previously been inaccessible. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I expect some chaos. Yeah. No, I think that the point you make is so important about looking back and acknowledging your own progress and seeing how far you've come. I think so often we're, we're just kind of, it's ingrained in us to look and judge and evaluate how close to perfection we've gotten to. And it's that lens, it's always so critical because you can't attain perfection. And so you're constantly, you know, failing to meet the standard. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, like when I was talking about my own perfectionism, I, I really have to sit, I mean, I know where a lot of it comes from and it wasn't external. It wasn't somebody telling me, you know, I, I didn't have parents over my shoulder saying, no, do it this way, that way, the other way. Um, but there was something, I think there was a predisposition mm-hmm. in me because of, you know, my childhood life experiences that sought perfection, like we talked about before, as a means to control my environment. Mm -hmm. And now I think as an adult, looking back, I look back and I am able to acknowledge the progress that I've made in and appreciating the way that I can do things faster or, you know, one of the things, one of the things for me, I always say that I'm a recovering grudgeaholic (laughs) because, and that was another, I think that was another way of controlling. Good. Cause I, I can hold a grudge like the best of them. Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to win. You're going to (laughs) win. So my sister and I used to share a room and we had twin beds divided by a dresser. Oh my God. 
And if we got in a fight, if we had an argument, I was such a grudgeaholic that literally I would write before going to bed a note. Remember to be mad at Jen in the morning because I didn't want to not forget the wounding. No, because you had to win at who got hurt more or whatever or whatever. It was was bad. And I think, think you know, the pressure in such a little body and right. Like so many, I bet some, I bet like a ton of little pinball lights are going off right now. When people hear this, they're going to be like, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. I I know how, I mean, how many of us in those little bodies were like desperate to be okay, right? This made me so uncomfortable. I was so upset with my so-and-so. I was so scared. I was so embarrassed. I was so whatever. And then we just internally can bust a little bit. And it makes, and it has made embracing forgiveness like a really difficult journey for me. Yeah. Because somehow, somewhere along the line, that thing about holding grudges was created some really deep wiring that if I hold on to this, then that other person is going to feel the pain of it like I feel it. I was, we're looking for partnership. Mm. Mm. there's the attachment thing again it's the whole i just want i don't i want to be in this together i don't want to be in this by myself you better hurt as much as me i'm hurt don't leave me alone in this and and so when i see those patterns replicating when i see visions of that in my kids mm-hmm. you know I think I think Zach shares that with me about being right um and really he's he's a smart you know quick thinker mm-hmm. so he can absolutely articulate why he's right very uh-huh. quickly oh yeah um and and I also see the the perfectionism you know in people pleasing yeah. as the control mechanism you know and and I see that more in Lynn's I think I see her wanting to placate and mm-hmm. find peace in everyone yes. around if, as if the have, way to control as the way to control the, the dynamic uh-huh. absolutely and, and so as, as I go through you know this whole parenting journey it's just um I don't know that there is I think I've gotten to the place where I don't know that there is a way that I quote unquote spare them finding out these lessons. No. Like I am, I'm only now looking back, you know, and in recent years, like, Oh man, that's not working. That didn't work. And that didn't create the outcome that I wanted. So I need to find another way. Mm-hmm. But I think we all, we all end up having to do that on our own. Mm-hmm. And hopefully find ourselves surrounded by people that allow us to do that and make the mistakes along the way as we do it. We, I, I'm with you. And I don't know if it'll be about sparing them the pain or just maybe that they'll, I, my, I think my wish is like, maybe you'll get it earlier than I did. So you can spend more of your time without this wound. I don't know that I can spare the, the wound at all. Right. It, I don't think you can. I don't think so. And um, as my Matt likes to say, he's like, <laughs> I remember being like, it's I had some terrible parenting moment. And I was telling him, I'm like, it's this, like, this is the one, like, this is the time where I really done it. And it's like, I've ruined her forever. Right. And he was like, oh, babe. Oh, he's like, don't worry. He's like, we'll laugh her up. You just will have no idea when and how you did it. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so many of those moments. I'm like, oh yeah, they'll be in therapy for that later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I try to. I try to circle I back. Try. Oh I my try god. Well, it's about back. repair. It's about yes. repair. And 
And he's like, but he's like, the thing that'll really do it, we'll have no idea until she tells us. Like, oh man, like, you won't even know. You you'll you'll mess it up in some way that you didn't. You think it's now? He's like, no, it'll be yeah. something you didn't even see. You you know you like pulled the wrong socks out of the drawer in it forever. <laughs> it's like the moment you didn't think was a big deal. I'm like, Ooh. and so, then some of some of the moments, some of the moments that um, my kids have brought to my attention that were really wounding for them for things that I didn't do or did do um it's been it's so it's so tough because I now I can now but I think that the good thing about having kind of dwelled on this and worked on this and thought about this for a long time is that I'm now in a place where I can engage them in conversation about the circumstances yes. surrounding the interaction. How cool is that? And that, that they're at that stage. Yeah. <sighs> and that has been very powerful, I think, to identify um, dynamics. You know, I think that particularly um, with my kids, when they've brought to my attention things that have hurt them deeply. Mm. And for me to be able to hear that and not get defensive and to be able to acknowledge and validate that I can understand how they would feel like that. Mm -hmm. And also, and also at the same time, share with them the why behind mm -hmm. what, what prompted me to, to react like, to show yeah. up that way. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not, you don't, you don't ever go back and cure it. You know, mm -mm. that's not it. It's about seeing each other in a different light, mm -hmm. you know? And also I think a huge, a huge part about it is self-compassion mm -hmm. because I think it's so easy to go to that place of shame mm -hmm. when, when you hear your kid tell you about something that you did that hurt them so deeply that years later they're telling you about it and it still hurts. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of shame. Oh yeah. And so I think that that is my focus is to, instead of marinating in shame, to slather on self-compassion mm -hmm. and kind of try to express to them but also in doing so express to myself that I was doing the best that I could in that moment correct yeah. absolutely and I think it speaks volumes though that it's like you have teenagers and they're already sharing this with you you know how many families never talk about it or maybe when they're like 30, 40, 50, 60, if they're lucky to have a two-way dialogue about that stuff, that's massive. There's trust there that they believe they're speaking into a listening for them, that if they share it, you'll actually be willing to listen to them. Is there anything more than that? I mean, that's massive. That's huge. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't think that's happening everywhere. Yeah. I think all of us would love it, you know, but to be, yeah, to be trusted that I, I'm hurt. And also I still trust that you love me enough to hear me on this. And that you'll, you won't let yourself get in the way of hearing me. That's massive on so many levels. Don't It'll be let me, so easy. Don't let me tell you that they're not messy, messy conversations. They are. Of course they certainty. are. Well, good. Certainty. Everyone should hear that because otherwise it's like beautifully scripted on Netflix and that's not how <laughs> life works. Yeah. No, they are, they are painful, messy conversations. Um, However, I think looking back when, after we've had them, 
I think we each walk away with an, a better understanding and less less sort of you know digging the heels in mm-hmm. in terms of the being right about the situation but more like yeah this was this was my experience mm-hmm. and sharing your own experience and being able to hear your child's experience or whoever else you're talking mm-hmm. to their experience and and um and I I'm recognizing that that I think maybe part of it is pandemic related too, as I evaluate the the various relationships that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think there is an enhanced threshold now of mm-hmm. what I speak and what I want out of my relationships. Mm-hmm. And I don't want I want to be able to have disagreements with people that I love and care for and to be able to come together and talk about them and for each of us to be able to acknowledge you know it's not a a rightness and a wrongness even Mm -hmm. it's about acknowledging like for me that I did something that caused you pain for that alone for that Mm -hmm. I am profoundly sorry Mm-hmm. And let's talk about how that happened. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about where you were and, you know, what your experience was. And, and if it's mutual, it's like, and you did something that mm-hmm. hurt me. And I, and where I, I if, if there's not that willingness to have that mm-hmm. see me for where I was and mm-hmm. I see you and, you know, acknowledging the mutuality of, the wounding if there was mutual wounding mm-hmm. I, I I if that's not there I yeah. think that that's like I recognize that every relationship has its season mm-hmm. and and I had one of those not that long ago where you know I went in with the intention to dialogue through and talk about what was a mutually hurtful situation and there was this digging in of the heels of the person I'm trying to talk to. And then the clarity came. The clarity came. It's like, okay, I get that. I get that. And I respect that that's where you are right now. And I also know for me and my own well-being that this isn't the kind of relationship Mm-mm. that I want to invest in. Mm-hmm. And so every relationship has its season. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for the season that we have. Yeah. And I wish you well. It's like, I'm going to lovingly let you go. If you return, because we're, if, if they return, because we are well-matched and we have more dancing to do and it's like a mutual, then yeah. And if not, like, thanks for the dance. Yeah. This is and- not for me anymore. Right. And that, that's a big thing for me. I think that, you know, coming to that place where I'm like, I, I have way better clarity on who I want to allow in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and at what, at what depths of the pool, like who, where, cause I've realized too, it's like, I can be, there's, yeah, there's like the three foot level. There's the like wading in of the pool. There's the five feet. There's the, you know, the diving. The deep dive, baby. Deep dive. <laughs> and not everyone has to be in my 20 foot well. Right. Like that's, it's okay for me to have some relationships that like hang out at, you know, one to three feet. And it's like, as long as I know that for myself, I can then be responsible about like my, my emotional investment and how I feel about what's coming to me. I can get out of the pool. It's very empowering. Yeah. I I, I call it, I call it pruning the tree of friendship. I'm just (laughs) pruning the tree. I'm cutting off those branches that are just sucking, you know, nutrients from the rest of the Oh my God, you have the best lines ever. That's so good. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. The tree of friendship. It's so good. Because I love that. Go back. Then that's the thing. That's You're true. Cutting away things that are sucking they don't life serve. and energy and don't yeah. serve the whole tree. And Gotta then go. the new blooms that stem from that, the new branches <sighs> are so, so strong and vibrant and full of life <gasps> that it's just delightful. It is. It is. Oh my God. That's the best. I think that's the best line I've ever, that, that may have topped better is better. I'm, that's so good. I'm writing it down right now. I have my you little pen. Hilarious. Oh my God. Oh. It's so good. Yeah. No, I, I do look at it that way though. It's just and, true. And it's not always, it's not all, you know, it's not always friendship. It may be work relationships yeah. family relationships it's just you know? relationship it's just it's relationship relationships in general yeah, yeah. and i yeah. i mean i i did i i did recently give myself a new permission slip that like because um you know we we have this like culture of be better do better practice at the weaknesses work on them work on them work on them right it's at work yeah it's it it's in self-development it's in yeah. wellness, it's in healthcare, it's in art, it's in everywhere. And I was like, I was dealing with something and I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know that I do have to figure out how to be okay with this. Like this situation that I was like, you know, do, no, do I, ha do I have to figure out how to exist in a particular reality with the way things are and the way things go, just because like, there's a lot of it and it's around. No, I don't. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I've often been like, let me fix it. Let me this, let me bend, let me twist, let me try, let me evolve. Let me get to know. And because, you know, when we get to know here, I do believe this. When we really get to know people, like if you really get to hear someone's story, you fall in love with anybody. Because when we really can see what's at the, what is in the deep end, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you fall in love with anybody. Anybody gets that common humanity. Correct. Yeah. I, I find it very true. Um, and that has been my experience as a public defender. Oh yeah. Oh because man. I will tell yes. you that so there's so much judgment cast on, you know, what I do for a living and the clients that I represent. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, you know, I've always I've always approached my job thinking about humanity and mm -hmm. how can I bring humanity to this court system mm -hmm. that is so devoid of humanity where you have you know parties within I don't call it the justice system it's the court system it's the legal system. system because there's so much injust yeah um about it yeah. that you know when when clients are in custody and people are referring to them as the bodies. Bring the bodies up. Are the bodies up yet? There's a human in there. There's a spirit in there. There's a there's so, a, a heart in there. So mm -hmm. I think that I have seen in 25 plus years of practice that when I sit down across the table mm -hmm. from one of my clients who may be accused of a crime or may have been already convicted of a crime, whatever the case may be, when I actually sit down and connect with that person and listen and ask and be curious mm -hmm. about how they got to where they are, it's amazing mm. the level of just human connection that can be established. And I, in my years, I feel like I have been treated so well by my clients. And there's 
a depth of gratitude and appreciation that they reflect back to me, that I know, I know that we are not meant in this world to be mm -hmm. judged by the worst mm -hmm. act that mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. committed. Yeah. It's amazing. That's incredible. The amount of, um, can you imagine just in daily living, if we were all to allow ourselves that curiosity and that, that I'm safe enough to get to know where you are coming from. I think as a society, we are just so predisposed to want to excise parts of our world and yeah. judge them as bad and lock yeah, people point. away and not deal with, you it's know, and segregate. It's um, and that I think fosters, um, fosters a way in the world of not acknowledging our common humanity. Absolutely. 100% with you on 180,000% with you on that. But as always, as always, I sit down with you and who knows where the conversation will go. We never know. We never know. <laughs> I think I just want to call our episodes the potpourri. Oh, it's, yeah. just, it's just the potpourri with up. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally down with that. <laughs> It's just so funny. I think it, as I, it's I think I think when I when I emailed you originally, I, yeah. like, I want to kind of talk about balance and <laughs> yeah, you had I know you had an idea because you were like I, I have had, something. It was I based on the last conversation we had, and it's funny because I do think I do think that there is no way that we should ever have a conversation now that we don't just hit. The I know. On. If only I had hit that button that day. That was the, juicy. It was so juicy. That was a good one. Oh, well, we'll, we just will. Every time yeah. we talk, we'll just click. It is good. It's juicy. Oh, that maybe we should call it the, the juice. The juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is getting good. Oh, this is the <laughs> juice. See, now we're taking the tree of friendship and harvesting the, the fruit. Harvesting the fruit. Juicing it. <laughs> I love it. It's delicious. Oh, it is. It's always mm. delicious talking to you. Ditto. I'm super grateful. Thank Me you. Too. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Thank you. And now I will reflect and pull out all the little gems. You're so good at that, by the way. Oh, thanks. You I've are been practicing. Oh, so good at it. Thank you. So yeah, it's really fun. I I know that sounds like whatever. I'm nerd for it. I just think it's right like to tease out all the goodness right i'm gonna send it to you and you you tease out the, the <laughs> goodness and i'm gonna like i'm gonna ride those coattails i'll be like rachel That's says <laughs> yeah key takeaways number six no i know i do i really enjoy because like it's when so i'm good. editing i like listen and i'm just like oh that one that one it's just it's those anchors that you, yeah. we were talking about they just like i i find it i don't know i guess it's because it's like to me it's a good meal it's like good bites mm. you know love it. I don't know. Right. Well, stay tuned for the next episode of The Juice. With uh... <laughs> <laughs> What's good? We're living in the sandwich zone. You need something to drink with your uh, sandwich. I love that. Right? So. <laughs> okay, this is getting good. <laughs> that was just such a good conversation. If you want to soak up more of Rachel's wisdom and insight, follow her on Instagram at really Rachel B. And I'll put the link for that in the show notes. And also on her website, rachelbrumberger.com. Also, make sure you check out her podcast, Unscripted with Rachel Brumberger. You can find it on Apple, on Spotify, or anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, give me some, give me some feedback on this extended long version format of conversations in the sandwich zone. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week.
I hope that you do something good for yourself. I'm Karen Osborne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, and share it with a friend. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, one of the best ways you can support me is rating and reviewing the podcast there. You can follow me on Instagram at karen.e.osborne. That's O-S-B-O-R-N-E. Or if you want to become an insider, a club sandwich member, click the link in the show notes and join my private Facebook group. Until next time, remember to add yourself to your caregiving list and take a moment today and do something that brings you joy.